0: Hi and welcome to another episode of Shop Talk with Jeff and John. How you doing, John? Yo, yo, yo! <laughs> What's up, boy? Um, your intros or your hellos are getting different every week. Are they? So yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get creative. Well, that's good because you know, hey. you you went on a run where it was like, uh, like, Eeyore, hi, happy to be here." You
1: know, <laughs> fake it till you make it. Okay, and so that's what
0: are you making it now? I, oh, I'm making it. Okay,
1: that's right. So, uh,
0: good week this week?
1: Good week, I think. Yeah. I don't know. It's Is this what happens when you get old? That it just turns into a blur?
0: Yeah. Well, if you think about the blur, think about this. Like, two days ago, we were watching fireworks. It's already, like, the last week of July. I mean, literally. So, I've heard it, like, when you get old or as you age, time flies. It's like, are we rolling down is a,
1: that really the case
0: that's what i heard it's like you know so it's all an uphill struggle till you hit midlife and then they say it's all downhill well hell it's rolling because, like
1: because remember i mean i still attribute like again my, my 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 last 20 years right as like my my development stage of of life and experiencing life right and if i really think back to 20 years i go okay did what what is 20 fear 20 years look like feel like I don't know if I have anything tangible to say quite about that, but if the next 20 years is anything like my last 20 years, it doesn't feel that long, and I'm going to be dead soon.
0: Wow. Okay. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so much for faking it till we make it, because apparently it's all downhill from here. No, I get what you're saying, because if I if, if I look at a calendar and I realize I've been out of the Marine Corps going on 15 years. Right. It's like, holy 16 or whatever it is, you know, it's uh-huh. holy crap. And I've been working with you now. Three years. Th- three years. And it's like, where literally does the time go? It goes by so fast. So yes, I'm with you. It's a blur. And then like, uh, the other day at work, it's like you're working, working, working. And next thing you know, you look and it's five o'clock and it's like, literally we just got here. Yeah. It's going by so fast. It's yeah. scary fast. I don't know. Sit back well, and enjoy it while you anyhow, can, I guess. right? That's my life right now. Well, at this rate, we need to start putting away for Christmas because Christmas is going to be in like two weeks. You know, it feels like for sure. Anyway, so there's that. Um, Recap. Recap, so we've, we've been on this tangent or this track of talking about uh, pulling the curtain back on all things bicycles, and uh, very well received. Everyone seems to be uh, really following or downloading or listening, and so we appreciate all you guys out there to continue to support us and, and uh, listen to it, and uh, we just hope to keep it interesting. So we've been talking about bicycles. We started with talking about like how you were in the industry and that tangent out into a bunch of different things and your knowledge in the industry and and the things that you bring to the table. And I know we talked about your time uh, working um, warranty and how you feel that's helped you or I feel how it currently helps you in your everyday doing business now and how the the, Mm -hmm. the satisfaction and, and getting things done for the customer to benefit the customer and to not also to benefit the people that we're getting a warranty from. I think it's a very cool juggling act that you do, and you're very good at it. We've also talked about um, technological advances, and I think tonight we're going to talk more technological advances because I feel... Um, it's going to get stupid technical tonight. Yeah, in in mountain biking specifically, which is what the tonight's topic is about, I feel uh, the technological advances in mountain biking are just like... It, it seems like it changes every every six months. There's something new, something different, something comes out in, in a mountain bike. And which begs the question, and this is how we'll start today, does technology push the rider? Or does riders, i.e. racers or people who ride the bike, do they push technology? Or is it a give and take? Or does one make each other better? Or what's, what's your take on that? What do you think? I mean... I know it's more than just that simple. So I definitely
1: am opinionated in this realm. Okay. However, I believe that my opinion might taint you for the moment. Okay. And so, um, what are your thoughts first? Because it's so easy for me to get on a high horse.
0: Well, I think we, we've talked offline before. And like when I first got into mountain biking, um, I mean, I rode a mountain bike in Japan, but I don't even know, you know, it had the, the, the cantilever brakes, you know, and rigid and kind of a y thing on the fork. And we didn't really do mountain biking. It was just kind of an all-terrain bike. So, and then when I really started getting into it uh, later on in the Marine Corps and we started doing 24-hour uh, mountain bike racing, um, you know, I thought wow, think mountain bikes have really changed. There's a lot of good things to it. But there was no disc brakes back then. Mm. There was no full suspension. Or when full suspension happened, everyone talked about how much efficiency you lose going uphill. So the big thing about was trying to balance, what do you want? Do you want comfort going down or do you want climbability? So I I think it's a 50-50 thing. I think riders... Oh, and I lost my train of thought. So I remember t- we talked about, like, Chris Bender and some of these guys in um, New World Disorder and some of the things they were doing with bikes yeah. in, like, the late 90s and 2000s. They were pushing boundaries and hucking off 30-foot cliffs, you know, and I, the precursor to the Red Bull Rampage. Mm-hmm. So there's always been people pushing it out there. But I think these people were pushing it, and that sort of helped develop bicycles. I mean, d- develop some of the technological advances in bicycles because there was people willing to huck themselves off 20 mm. foot cliffs with bikes, you know, that, that weren't made for it. Right. So they were uh, Frankensteining bikes to get these things done. So I, I think at a certain point riders were pushing beyond the capabilities of bicycles. So I feel for to a certain extent that riders may have pushed the technological advances to get the bikes to make the giant leap. Now, once the bikes made the giant leap, I feel that maybe technology is now pushing riders because riders can now have the confidence and comfort to know that they can push the bike. The bike's going to withstand what they're doing to it. Maybe mm. 10 years ago, that wasn't the case. But I feel maybe that now is the case. Is that Was that a cop-out answer? or no. I th-
1: that's a that's a legit answer
0: so i mean that's what i feel about it okay um, all right so all right so go ahead and, and taint me i guess i don't know okay all right so purely opinion
1: right so this is now i mean purely this is an editorial comment right, right. there's no right or wrong there you know so yeah I, there's nothing for me to say that oh jeff you're an idiot and <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about you know but I, I i think maybe i even i'm taint, tainted a bit right because i've been behind the curtain now again that's not to say that there's this like monopoly or there's this, this uh this, this backroom deals that the engineers you know with the manufacturers make and go okay you know how are we going to how are we going to make more money okay but by the way I, I think they're meeting in back rooms, yeah. and they're trying to figure out how they're going to make more money. Okay. Okay. All right. So, um, I believe that the engineering is pushing the rider. Okay. Not the riders pushing the engineering. Okay. All right. The riders are benefiting from the engineering. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, um, engineering pushing the riders what does that mean it means that the manufacturers need to keep developing redesigning so that they can be pioneering cutting edge therefore you keep people keep buying stuff okay right all right now certainly there's way different levels you know, multiple levels in in this that can be all debate, you know, controversial debated and all that stuff. So. The reasoning for my overall belief is that even 20 years ago, there were designs that were out to get riders to go fast. Mm -hmm. And. Those designs still exist with a little bit of spruce up, but all we did was justify the application a different way. For example, like the VPP
0: or the virtual pivot Sure. Point? Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, you, so you're, you're really close. You're really close. So let's just, let's talk about um, downhill bikes and enduro bikes. Okay. Okay. All right. So, enduro bikes, right, I mean, what, in the last three, four years has been the the new category? Yeah, the growing trend, yeah. Right, okay. So, what was an enduro bike, well, rather, why didn't an enduro bike uh, exist 10 years ago?
0: I don't know. It did. It just it wasn't. It just wasn't called an enduro exactly. bike. Exactly. So is an enduro bike taking the place of the all-mountain bike? Is that what it was called? The blending of the all-mountain and the free-ride bike. Okay. Mostly the free-ride bike, right? The par- okay. The, the the park bike. The our- park
1: bike, yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. Sure, right? Okay, so l- uh, please allow me once again to you know, to give our listeners a little bit of you know uh, uh, foundational uh, understanding okay. of what's going on, right? Okay. So in the mountain bike world, now right now we're going to focus a little bit on. Actually, no, I'll open it all up. Okay, so there's a bike called a there's a platform of of a mountain bike called a hardtail. Okay. Right. So a hardtail stands for its front suspension only. Okay. So what that means is that your rear end of the bike is has no suspension. It's rigid. Ergo, we call it a hardtail. OK. Yep. All right. Um, versus, you know, we could even say, you know, uh, there's a fully rigid bike, meaning that there's no suspension whatsoever. All right. But a hardtail impl- implies that at least the rear end is fully rigid and then you have a suspension fork up front. Right. OK. All right. And then you got full suspension. So and then full suspension. There are different categories of that. All right. Um, and that's based on the amount of rear wheel travel. And this is to allow you to either go fast uh, uh, through rocky sections, through technical sections, where you would have normally have been bouncing on your hardtail, and you were really absorbing it with your knees and your elbows. Okay? All right. Now, by absorbing it with your knees and
0: elbows, you're still bouncing around. Yeah. Not only are you bouncing, but... The bike's bouncing. Bounce by... bike is bouncing as well, so you don't have tire contact. You don't have tire
1: contact, exactly, right? So that's why full suspension came about, which was, hey, I want to keep my tires on the ground, right? Um, Therefore, I have more control. Right. Okay, all right. So now, again, it's just a matter of how much control I need and how much bouncing I'm going to be doing because there's a give-and-take relationship. If I have way too much suspension, then I'm losing power, Right, right. I'm losing. I'm, the energy is getting sucked into the suspension, and then vice versa. If I don't have enough suspension, then I'm bouncing, and I don't have stability. I don't have control, and then I'm all over the place. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. So in the suspension world, there's the different, the different platforms. Mm-hmm. There's your one hundred millimeter platform. Now, just for everyone's understanding, twenty five point four millimeters to an inch. Okay. So 100 millimeters ultimately is four inches of travel. Okay. Now we're gonna just keep talking metric, though, for right. what it's worth. Okay. So 100 millimeters of travel, which that's called a cross-country full suspension bike. Okay. That really is has taken the place of a hardtail, and it's just minimal suspension. And then you got 120 or 130 millimeters of travel. And then that one is called a trail bike. That one really has become kind of the Swiss army knife of bikes. It's a do-everything bike. It's not too hot, not too cold, just warm the way Mama Bear likes it. Right. Okay? Uh-huh. Um, and then we transitioned into 140-millimeter or 150-millimeter travel, and then that's classified as an all-mountain bike. Okay? Or was classified as an all-mountain bike. Right. All right? um and all mountain what that would really was implying was that hey you know what i'm going to do a little bit more technical riding than just normal fire road trail gravel riding okay and therefore i need more suspension to be able to hit the tech the more rocky stuff and stay on my bike yeah now at this juncture i'm now sacrificing a little bit of power a little bit of energy loss, mm-hmm. um, for more stability, more control. Okay. Okay. All right. Then the next step up was a free ride bike and a free ride bike was going to be 160 and 170 millimeters of travel. Now when I, by the way, you know, if I, I'm using two different, um, uh, numerical values, right? 160, 170, 140, 150. And that basically was up to the manufacturer's ideas of, okay, how are we going to engineer this? And, and, you know, do we want it 160 or do we want it 170? But for what it's worth, within that 10 millimeter increment, they're basically brothers and sisters, you know, and th- 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 they're really doing the same, the same job. Okay. So the free ride bike, that one was really, hey, um, I really don't like the uphill. I really want to go downhill, uh-huh. but I realize that I need to go uphill. So I'm going to take my sweet old time riding uphill and I need a bicycle that can help me go uphill. Now, all the while I'm losing a lot of energy going uphill, but the whole point is I want the downhill. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. Now why that's important to understand is because your next step, your last step is your downhill bike. Now downhill bike implies you're going downhill not uphill the gear ratio doesn't allow for that so this bad boy is giving you ultimately 200 millimeters of travel right and that's basically eight inches of travel right that's a whole lot that's basically a motorcycle now yeah or or dirt bike now right okay all right so that bad boy is i'm going to go up to big bear i'm going to take the chairlift up during the summer because the snow is gone now I'm gonna get dropped off, and then I'm going to ride my bike downhill, and/or I have a really cool girlfriend who has nothing better to do than <laughs> shuttle you too. shuttle me up to the top of a hill, of a mountain, and then take twenty minutes driving back down to meet me there. Oh my gosh, I, I used to envy, <laughs> you know, those those people um, for having girlfriends like that, and then I started to pity them that. Why would you subject your girlfriend to that? Right, right. You know? Um however, that was a reality. All right. And then, you know, back when we used to, you know, kind of draw straws and, you know, if there are four of us, one person would do the shuttle first, drive the shuttle first, and then the second person would drive the shuttle and second you know, stuff like that. So that So would,
0: the free ride bike was sorta of developed. To get downhillers to the top of the mountain. Without the girlfriend. Without the girlfriend or the chairlifts. Yep. So, and I remember when the free ride bike came in, because everything, Mountain Bike Action, all the magazines talked about, you definitely sacrifice climbing. So, and they all said, well, don't get in a hurry to get to the top. Yeah. The fun is after you get to the top. Exactly. But, you know, not everybody has their capabilities. Uh This just opened up more trails for people, right? Because now... They don't need to be shuttled. I can slip up to the top of this ten mile yeah, climb uh-huh. be there in an hour, but no then I'm gonna have ten miles of just fun downhill correct stuff that was previously correct closed correct. to you because you couldn't climb in a in a in a in a a, 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 downhill. a downhill bike yeah no, no
1: no you could not no you were pushing that up yeah 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 okay, so that was even at least ten years ago. Right. Right. Well, Enduro, the term Enduro is what, four years old? Something in that nature. Maybe. Right, yeah. right. Um, so now, fast forward 10 years ago to even five years ago. And so this is how the platforms have have morphed. 100 millimeter, still 100 millimeter. Right. For the same purpose. 120, 130, still for the same purpose. The 140, 150, the all-mountain started to get lost. Why? Because they started... Well, I'm sorry. I'm going to skip to the free ride bike. So the free ride bike got lost. It got lost in the sense that um, we want to start racing and we need lighter weight bikes. Okay? Okay. Um, well... Maybe I'll say it that way. The free ride bikes were still too heavy. And so...
0: Because you definitely sacrificed climbing. Y- you you sacrifice climbing. Yeah.
1: Right? It was a full-fledged downhill bike. It really was. Just you know, with an extra cog extra or gears, gearing. gearing right? right. Yeah. Okay. So the all-mountain bike pretty much started to take over. How do we... Add more travel to an all mountain bike, without the true, the true issues of the free ride bike. Yeah. Okay. So. All mountain started winning. And then people started to, race and said, "Okay, you know what? We really like the downhill, so." uh we'll give you all the time you need to go uphill to climb uphill but you got to climb uphill yeah you can't get a ride because it's all got to be on by your own human power and then we're gonna start we're gonna race downhill
0: okay the birth of uh the birth of enduro but way back now before enduro was it not called super d do you remember the category Super D? Yeah, it was Super D. That was like that was like downhill racing with pedaling sections. It's, it's, Correct. Because I remember racing at Sagebrush. Yeah, totally. And and that was the first time right. they and people
1: were using, in the beginning, people were using the freeride bikes, and then again because the bikes were too heavy and too too clunky they started using the all mountain bikes and then even more so the pros really started with, were using the trail bikes, at the 120, 130 millimeters because they were fully capable of clearing sections, even with hardtails. Yeah. Cause they're, they're just that good. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, so certainly people are going to mimic that and go, okay, well, you know what? I'm not going to ride with my free ride bike anymore. I'm now going to ride with my, with with my uh, all mountain bike or my trail bike, okay So that became the evolution of the enduro bike in that of we need to lighten up the
0: free ride bike. So just on on at uh, on the vernacular, so was uh, enduro racing was that is was that a European? I don't know. okay, yeah, I don't I, I don't know because yeah. I know that we had super D here and then yeah. super D you never heard of uh-huh. for a long time, and then all of a sudden, and everybody's racing enduro, so I don't. I yeah. Was just
1: yeah, but you're. I think you're. You're. You're on the ball. I mean, the Super D became the enduro. Yeah. Um. But the Super D, it, it, uh, no one at uh, no one required you, or no one asked how you got up to the top.
0: Well, yeah, no, because uh, the one Super D race that I did uh-huh. at at Sagebrush uh-huh. was we shuttled to the top but there was a straight downhill run where there was like no Mm pedaling. But the super D course, like you had straight downhill runs, but then you get to a section, Uh then you go left. Now you get like, you know, a quarter mile of fire road where you kind of have to, it's more undulating. So you sort of had a pedal. It's
1: a longer DH course. Yeah.
0: And you had a pedal certain, I mean, that's exactly how it was described. Yeah, A downhill run with pedal sections. There you go. So Right. yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. Now, okay. So, um, I will, I will acknowledge something as soon as I started really going down this whole deal, which was, okay, so these bikes existed. People then started wanting to race. Then people started f- trying to find the right, the right bicycles in order to give them the, 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 the efficiency and the, 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 the competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. That in itself could justify that it, was, it is rider-induced technology right yeah so people wanted the extra advantage they were using other bicycles that weren't part of the application then engineers figured out or manufacturers figured out that's what they're doing and then they started to morph those bikes so you can spin it one way in saying that you got a they ended up producing a lighter weight freeride bike or they ended up producing a heavier duty trail bike a
0: more travel trail bike <laughs> now i got i while you were talking i've been writing several things down to to ponder to, to push the conversation so in here somewhere and everything that's happened like i said i mentioned new world disorder and i think they actually got up to new world disorder eight or nine mm-hmm. just people riding crazy just right right doing the, crazy. so these were videos yeah
1: that we used to watch yeah of people
0: riding crazy doing crazy and uh, what influence, and I'm sure it has to be big, do you think the Pacific Northwest or the North Shore riding? Oh, yeah, right. Like the trails, the ladders, and the things that these guys were doing up there in British Columbia that we weren't seeing down here. And you only really saw it in these videos because it was like guys going out there hucking over logs and doing right. just crazy stuff. So, I mean, that had yeah. to change yeah. some of the writing aspect too, right? Some of that. I
1: remember. I, I remember reading or trying to understand what the, I guess, the environmental government kind of regulations were happening up in British Columbia. Like, in the beginning, it was very um, renegade. Um, yeah,
0: grassroots and g- kind of... Uh... People were... Under the the national forest, under the, but I think one of the things they were doing, they, and this weird, they were using fallen logs. They weren't like, but then they then it escalated into making ladders. to, To my
1: point, though, right? I mean, they were illegally building trails. Yeah, you know, and. I don't know what the local fallout of that was, or if everyone embraced it and be like, "Oh yeah, you guys are awesome. Thank you for doing that." Well, but it, it happened. It was enough of a momentum for them to do it.
0: But well, I would have
1: I, loved to have heard, you know, like. Well,
0: I, ultimately they embraced it because there's areas up there like Whistler, Squamish that 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 embody this whole type of riding. They got natural trails, but. You go to Squamish and it's still wood features. It's still so, ladders. So, so it's again, still...
1: again, you know, what would be like like was it just a lack of enforcement of these illegal trails? Or did some municipality go, hey, this is really good. We we
0: you know go ahead. I, I was I will strictly speak on a <laughs> non-knowing category right. right now. But think about it. There's a video, people have filmed you riding on these crazy ill-begotten trails, let's call it. The video hits, everybody watches it, and it's in some little podunk town. Mm -hmm. After the video hits, there's people showing up in pickup trucks with their bicycles. Now they're buying food in your local community. They're filling up the motels. They're they're going to the hey, bike i get it you know what i, I mean? get so, it so but
1: still like can, can you even so imagine I, right now going into san Bernardino national forest big bear Wrightwood area <laughs> and be like all right we're gonna build some trails oh my gosh
0: yeah no i think it would i think it the two probably went hand in hand people are like i can't believe you're doing this and then the next day there's a hundred people there giving you money so they could rather like i can't believe you're doing this but Okay, we're going. to... <laughs> what I would hope to think
1: is that um, some private private land was utilized was in the utilized beginning. In it, you know, yeah. um, or not even beginning, but maybe that's how it landed. And 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 uh, okay, you know, somebody
0: goes to Farmer Joe's house and says, "Hey, can we ride through your hills? Something, and we're going to videotape yeah, it, right? Ah, that could have worked, but that writing up there, that style of writing." the the ladders the roller coasters yeah. the teeter-totter the things that they were doing mm-hmm. that had to really push technology no or they or it fine-tuned to technology that in was a, already well, available
1: in my opinion it gave it gave justification for the application the free ride that was the free ride bike right so you were where you were fully use, utilizing the free ride bike you know here we were using the free ride bike to go out to fontana southridge you know, so that land was there. Yeah, and um, Don Don I forget his last name, but he's been in, he was the the number one guy to start the Southridge USA um, organization, right? Uh, which partnered up with the Fontana, uh, the city of Fontana or the county of Riverside something, um, and was able to utilize that this this park in Fontana that. of it was green grass park that you play soccer on. Uh But the other 90% was just rocky foothill that no one would use. And he somehow got allowed to do it. Now, again, was it illegal in the first place in the beginning? And then through the use, he, whatever, because now it's fully
0: sanctioned. Now it's real, you know? Well, I mean, without the same could be said for, the places that we currently ride yep without saying the without places saying there. the places that we currently ride and like the place that, that, that where you used to live and used to ride was was that was that it begotten or I mean
1: uh, I'm sorry, where did I used to live go ahead you're gonna have to just say it Simpson yeah, so Hemet Hemet yeah. I mean Simpson Park right. is that Simpson Park was it is a mountain bike area. Okay, so well, it's a hiking area, so it's a park. Okay, and um, we it was sanctioned to okay, well, that was my to question. Mountain bike out there, yeah, yeah. Um, so because Simpson Park is a park, right? They yeah. recognize it as a park, they want people to visit, and therefore, yes, there are trails back there.
0: So it, it's it's multi use trail like the trails at Santa Rosa Plateau, yes, correct. It's just more technical out there, more than... technical, okay. correct, right? And where, bikes are welcome,
1: where it got. Where it was unsanctioned, but it wasn't to do to the mountain bikers. Was back in the seventies, at least as much as much as I heard from the people who actually were alive that back then was that uh, when they were growing up in Hammett, um, there were the, the they would go dirt biking in these foothills, yeah, um, behind
0: Simpson Park. And, and- Okay. Right. Okay. Well, you were saying all that, and I had another. I mean, uh, I had a thought. Yeah, yeah. In, I had a thought in my head, and um, I'll just bring it up. So,
1: where we benefited as mountain bikers was all these trails were already created back from the seventies. Yeah. And dirt bikers rarely go up there anymore for whatever odd reason. Um, I guess mostly because of housing development and right. stuff like that. But when you're deep in that canyon, there's really there's no way to build houses and or they really need to build roads in order to get to the houses right so they just really have left it alone and i don't know who owns that land i should probably check one day or another so so these trails have been around they've been around and so so we were
0: we were linking them from simpson park okay now so going back to our conversation were they being linked were people starting to mountain bike up there because of the capabilities of the bike the all mountain or the 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 free ride bike, or were bikes always back there? Because bikes were always back there. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Because I was
1: riding up there with hardtails. Okay. And but that area was fully conducive to free ride bikes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still still trying to get on on our train of thought of what drove what, and I it, it seems like a lot of times. Some of the technology, and you've said has, has been there, but not fully utilized. You get a writer to fully utilize it, now the, the technological advances can take the idea and really push it further because now they have people willing willing to push it further as well.
1: Yeah, and so, and, and right there is the reason why I, I, I start with the opinion that it's technology induced, not writer induced. Okay. It's technology induced because the technology is there; it allows them to go crazier, and right then and there, they then get creative
0: about what to do with it. I guess I mean, if if you to equate it into like modern day terms, it's like the the cell phone is there, but all these people come up with all these apps because the cell phone is
1: there. Yes. Okay.
0: Did, That's I mean perfect. Did, no, yeah, yeah. right? That's yeah, perfect. I think so. Yeah. Yep. like these people inventing the apps, and these apps can do anything for you. They right, didn't invent- but you
1: couldn't have even come up with that without the cell phone. Without the cell phone,
0: yeah, cool. So, but speaking of the technological advances, um, and and you've been in the game. I know we've talked about it for what twenty years. Yeah, we've, we've said, mm-hmm. and you've and you've seen them come and you've seen them go. Right, sure. Um. On, in your opinion, uh, given. Given the the state of mountain biking, the things that people do with them now, what do you think has been the biggest, uh, the biggest technological advance? Is it, is it the one by drivetrain, is it the wheel size, is it um, the actual mechanisms of the suspension? What do you think? Where do you, what do you think has been something that's been one of the biggest innovations? Out, you know, going. Yeah. yeah
1: okay so just to slow it down a little bit maybe for our listeners um, you know you, you, you just mentioned uh, there's been innovation in wheel size yeah right so there was 26 inch uh, and then uh, for really 20 years you know th- they were going trying to go with 29 inch wheels and the idea on that was larger wheels were going to be able to overcome more obstacles right. which, you know keep more momentum give you more confidence right okay and then from that even then they found a middle ground and came out with a 27 and a half size. Right. Right. Okay. Um, so then there's wheel size, and then you just talked about
0: um, the components of suspension. The, components. The, the fork, are the fork and the actual shock.
1: Got it. Okay. So the innovation of, excuse me, um, the innovation of technology with uh, the suspension fork and the and the rear shock, which, by the way, would then give you some efficiency and also the ability to hit things harder yeah without dying
0: and working with like you said the design and ideas that have been there for a long time mm-hmm. to make it more efficient like you said yeah. more efficient okay
1: and then third one was what
0: uh, the one by drivetrain and that one's the Got newest it. so the, your transmission yeah the newest of them anyway okay. I all feel right. right yeah all
1: right so then for, therefore the uh, the reduction of the, your multiple gears, and allowing the rider to uh, find more efficient gears without the complexity of, of, mul- of multiple ch- rings up front right. and then the multiple rings in the and back. And
0: without duplicating gear inches. Because if you had three chain rings up front and nine in the back... It's somewhere in those 27 or 21, there's going to be duplicates.
1: Right, right. We, 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 we talked about that, right? Like, you know, if that's why we don't call it 21 speed or twenty-seven four speed. Right. Right. Because, you know, out of those gears, really, there's probably 12 to 14 <laughs> functional gears. Yeah, that aren't. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's
0: the reason you count the cog. We just refer to it as a, a nine speed. And yeah. then whatever you have up front right. is whatever right. you have up front. Okay. All
1: right. So are those the three on the board? Or is there anything else that really has. Well, I mean, I. Th- carbon, carbon aluminum, maybe? Yeah. That's I, an innovation, but okay, sure, maybe.
0: Just because, I mean. But you the, you hit on some good ones. That's uh, fine. And and one that we talked about way at the beginning was uh, the disc brakes. Oh, disc brakes. So that's an innovation. Yeah. Because that's huge. If you got somebody pointing a bike downhill and doing it 40 miles an hour, you've got to have stopping oh, power. You know what? Right? Disc
1: brakes is actually a good one because disc brakes opened up opened up the ability for, for m- new designs of wheels. I know, I'm teasing you. No, right now, no, maybe.
0: I'm I'm trying to trying to follow your thought here. Well,
1: we can go to this tangent, but I'm going to I'm going to try to keep it concise. Uh by having the disc brakes, uh we were no longer uh const- rest- whatever Constrained right. to a shape, a shape that was that needed to have pads hitting the a rim. Surface. Yeah, right. And so, therefore, you didn't have to have this blocky surface anymore. You can now make a more
0: a rounder rim. Make it can, strong. Can, ergo, making, making it a little stronger, aerodynamic. Correct. Because nothing able to is going take to an touch, impact a little better. All of the
1: above. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Disc brakes is real. Disc brakes is real. Okay, so if I were to pick on anything to say what's helped in the advancement, um, I would
0: choose suspension technology. The components of this, I mean, the fork and the shock? The fork and the shock. Meaning, like you talked about the, the 100 mil, but... Even before that, when it was just a hundred mil, it was just used to be the old Bouncy. the old Rock Shock Judy, wasn't it? The Rock Shock Judy, one of the first, like just a coil over coil over. It was just a, coilover, coilover, it was just you, a coil, right? Yeah. Uh-huh, it basically, with no just kept your arms from going. You're down. on a pogo stick. Yeah, exactly. Right,
1: yeah. and right there. I mean, I guess that's the best example. Is that you know uh, when suspension started when we started to integrate suspension in the late nineties early 90s, whatever, 90s, um, they were pogo sticks. We were using springs. Right. right. And there was really no control over those springs. Um, you could argue uh, the, one, the one piece of it was would be that, uh, let's see, the one piece of it was you were able to control or, or get the right spring rate, meaning that if you're a 100-pound rider let's get a lighter spring so that it's going to be a little working more, for you yeah. versus don't use that same spring for it, a 300-pound rider. Because you're never going to compress it, and it's like riding on a rigid fork. And the 300-pound rider is going to compress that <laughs> spring that the 100-pound rider
0: was yeah, on. Yeah, so he's going to be like riding a rigid fork but fully compressed.
1: Uh, he's going to he's <laughs> bottoming out the suspension. He's going to be like a low rider on yeah, the, exactly. you know, a Honda Civic, right? Um. So that was the coils, and then I mentioned or I talked about once they it's, they started to integrate uh, dri- motocross technology into the mountain bikes. That's when that's when we caught some momentum. Yeah, because bikes started to get efficient, and Fox Racing Fox shocks is really the the leader of that that they they you know i believe they they're the leader of that they 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 they, they brought that technology over and yeah. then all these these motorcycle companies um, got into the game you know marzoki yeah um, white brothers right white brothers was is, is still doing dirt bike stuff yeah but they got into into mountain biking for that little bit you know and then I'm sh- I'm sure there's yeah a whole th- bunch I of remember obsolete.
0: the late '90s first early 2000s is like there was a lot of names a lot of names in it mm-hmm. and everyone having the best or they're claiming the best innovation more efficient peddling but I mean Fox is the one that's like stuck around and it's like right the, right the, the four- and I
1: wonder if that's just because of money you know because they had
0: their 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 off-road vehicle division well I mean think about it yeah. they had so many things to draw from. They mm-hmm. have the trophy trucks. They have the motorcycles. So they have every type of suspension where it's just or you know yeah. where it's really compressing and hitting big jumps, mm-hmm. and then you know, yeah. and I guess it all goes back to something we mentioned before: the ultimate goal of suspension is like, yeah, I used to think it was comfort and not beat you up. Oh, no, ult- no. I used to think it was to like I can catch air, <laughs> right, uh-huh. you know, to help spring you up. Uh-huh. But the ultimate goal of it. To keep you on the ground. Is to keep tires on the ground. Uh-huh. Because you know, it's just like when your tires in the air and you're like you're jumping or you are not in control of the bike. You know, so the more that your tires are on the ground, the more control ergo the faster you're gonna be able to go through yeah. the curves, the berms, the techie, the downhill stuff. So um I I would probably I would probably agree with you that suspension is mm. is the big one that's made the most innovations or the most technological advances into what a bike can do. Because because
1: if you, if you didn't have disc brakes, but you still had the suspension, that innovation would, I would argue would still be there.
0: Yeah, no, you, yeah, because disc brakes came after the suspension. People were like bouncing and a lot of the things they were doing, they were figuring out how to do rear suspension is how we're going to make it break. Yeah, you know, right? Because like, we're going too fast now. Yeah, you know, something. they, they had what? that you know the things pivoting in the back when right. you lock it up, it's all kinds of wonky. Yeah. Okay. There you go. So I think I think yeah I think that's a right. suspension so, made a big difference. Uh. But s- but I then we we talk about okay I'll just bring up the other we bring up the one by the wheel size I think wheel size though is important and and it does play a big factor in it. Just, is I mean, it is it? I, I think so. I mean, just, no,
1: okay. So, I mean, I, I know the science behind it, right? Because sure, the,
0: before I started riding again, my bike was a 26. So I don't have any comparison to what a I don't know two seven five.
1: I mean, I don't know if I'm going to call it like,
0: not the biggest innovation the
1: game changer, you know, it is, I guess it is a game changer. I don't know.
0: I will tell you where it's where to me, where I notice it and riding is on the small little small rock garden sections where you just kind of like if you carry speed the bike's going to rail and it does eat up some mistakes i personally feel game i mean game changer i mean we see it every day but it's harder to climb up too yeah so you lose your little bit of so now they're changing and making the wheels lighter, going carbon so that you can make up. Well,
1: they're giving you lower gears so that you can accomplish it. Yeah, get up.
0: So I, I, I think the one by is, a, is is cool. I like that. Game changer. I don't know. I mean, people were climbing and doing things they were doing before. And and I'm going to bring up another one and talk about the dropper post. And it's the dropper post really new. But think about it. Everyone talks about it. My dropper post doesn't work. What am I going to do? I can't ride it. Four this, years ago, you were riding everything without a dropper post anywhere. This is anyway. where
1: I'm going to stick my head in the sand. This is where I draw the line. Okay. It is purely a luxury item. It is not a necessity whatsoever.
0: Oh, no. Whatsoever. It's 100% luxury.
1: But I hate the fact that people are like, I can't ride without my dropper post that's how I know that they're needed the game. That's how I, yeah, whatever. They, now they,
0: again, I'm being purely snobby at this juncture. Right. Well, I mean, Jordan in the shop brings it up all the time. When we talk about, it. it's like four years ago, we didn't have a dropper post. Hell three years ago. We didn't dropper post. When I first started in the game was still brand new. So half of your bikes didn't have dropper post, mm-hmm. you know, even when I first and rode what, one, I but, didn't even but what's know what this
1: relevance of needing six inches of drop versus four inches of drop. <laughs> It doesn't make sense because everyone wants six inches of drop, but yet they can't get their, uh, their seat uh, 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 low enough or, or, like I don't know, what? High enough? Low enough? Well, no, um, they can't
0: adjust it to where they ride efficiently with it fully extended yeah. because they've got the lower part of the seat post jammed all the way into... That's the... so dumb. Yeah. So that segues right into this card right here. <laughs> right here. You can't read it. So I feel in all of this... Road bike and mountain bike. The overlooked aspect of all these technological advances is the maintenance and the maintenance requirements. Not only overlooked, but by pe- not you know just overlooked in general, but people who ride I feel overlook the importance of maintenance. And I think a lot of people don't understand just hard or technical or how much. You have to yeah. know because you can have four bikes in your stand. Every bottom bracket is going to come out differently. Everyone's going to take a different bearing size in that bottom bracket. The crank arms all come off differently on four different bikes. Headsets come off differently in four different bikes. Yep. You know, and so, and you yep. know, say, Hey, so my bike's doing this and it, can't you just do this? And it's like, yep. you know, it's yeah, yeah, just, just because I see it, daily it's like you work on three bikes and then someone throws you a curveball and it's like well i've never seen this bottom bracket how do these cranks come off you know what i mean right so yeah and i and and on the flip side of that i don't understand why i i mean in a car a power steering pump is a power steering pump correct am i wrong i don't know we don't work on cars maybe they're placed in there differently maybe i just answer my own question but a bottom bracket is not a bottom bracket is not a bottom bracket they're they're all different i mean just like the other day you know we we were looking for that you know one uh is it a press fit is the gpx is it is it got a smaller non drive side right. you know so it's just a lot of things go into the maintenance and i just uh-huh. wondered what the thought process on the engineering side of like having seventeen different types of bottom brackets, or cranks, or this, because everyone thinks theirs is better.
1: I know the thought process. You're not gonna like it because I already said it last week and the week before that. Money,
0: marketing, marketing. Okay, money. The another money. Angle. Yeah. Marketing. Oh, so my crank arm does this, and it doesn't matter that it takes four hours to take apart.
1: Okay, so I mean, I, I can purely, I can, I can, you know, ju- juice this guy for what it's worth. How how are we doing here? Oh, we're good. Okay, so. Uh, Again, let's just even use 10 years ago, still, Um, you know, uh, bottom brackets, let's just, for example, bottom brackets, by the way, are where the pedals of the crank, uh, pedals of the crank connect to the bike, okay, all right, and then so the bottom bracket is that bit bolt, that bearing piece that's in the frame for you to be able to put the cranks on, okay so 10 years ago maybe sure there were two standards maybe three there was the square taper spindle axle mm-hmm. okay um, there was the Shimano's octalink and then is that is that's one of the spline right the hollow splines, yeah, yeah correct yeah. uh-huh um, and then there was the Isis right Um. Raceface was doing the ISIS if if i if i remember correctly. However, let's focus on the square taper. The square taper was the standard, right? Yeah. And you could use one company's bottom bracket and use another company's crank because that was Everyone, the accepted standard. People right. were producing their stuff so that way you could mix and match or whatever. I don't know if they truly wanted just to mix and match, but it was an, it was an, you know, whatever, an open source, uh, 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 engineering design that therefore everyone was hopping on the bandwagon and producing stuff. So that way it could, their stuff could be used. Yeah. So somewhere down the line, Shimano, race face, whatever, they then decided, Hey, you know what? We're going to produce our own bottom bracket with, so that, it's, could be stronger per se and then we're gonna produce our own crank to match that bottom bracket and then overnight it became proprietary yeah and therefore you could you had to use a Shimano bottom bracket with a Shimano crank and everyone else was out of the game and if everyone was gonna get in the game then it, they were gonna have to do
0: their own proprietary
1: well art it, they were gonna have to have to make a octalink whatever yeah, it would work right? on, yeah. however, if I'm not mistaken, Shimano did not pro- allow that to be an open source uh, design. Right. Therefore, it was patented to be Shimano, and no one else could use it. And then this, be- there, I think this is when it became a nuclear arms race, because okay, fine, we're now going to produce our own crank and our own boner bracket.
0: Yeah. And we're going to make it lighter and stronger and better than yours. Correct. And then you're going to sell it to the bike, manu- the bike manufacturers. So now they're putting it on their, using it as OEM yep, on their stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah. And that's marketing. So that's how you make more money. Right. So we lost, we lost, uh, <laughs> we lost compatibilities, continuities, or yeah. sa-
0: sameness across the board. Mm-hmm. And then that just carried over to everything. I mean headsets, stems, yeah, correct, handlebars. To an extent. To an extent. But to an no, extent. It's true. Like shifting and yeah. you know how all this. Yeah, you were all able the... to
1: mix and match stuff before, but now you can't. Yeah. Yeah. So things have gotten uber complicated. Now there's how many different companies that have bottom brackets that want to
0: make different shell designs oh my gosh just it gets stupid well yeah there's English thread Italian thread there's external bearings there's internal bearings there's press fit you know but
1: there's press fit it's not just press fit there's press fit uh, 86.5 there's press fit 90 <laughs> there's press fit 92 yeah right no <laughs> and then on top of that there's BB thirty, and then right?
0: and then let's just talk about not even dropper seat posts, but there's 30.9, 29.8. Everyone has a different diameter seat post too, you know. So and this is
1: the part that I'm 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 starting to no longer enjoy about the bicycle industry. It's getting hard. It's getting complicated. Yeah, and, and to try and, to keep all that. And I think people that... do like it that way, but it's tough to run a bicycle business in yeah, this climate. It,
0: and you can't keep every part. You no. can't have every part available logistically, financially, fiscally, and physically. You can't have every part.
1: No, it's. I I couldn't even imagine a warehouse, that, you know. I mean.
0: No, it's it's well an example. How does the
1: auto? How's the hello, the car?
0: The auto industry do it. Well, I think a lot of. Parts are interchangeable. You know, uh, a fuel pump is a fuel pump is a fuel pump across a certain spectrum, maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, it's amazing because they're not that big, but they always seem to have the is part. Is that real- where the
1: fun part of going to a salvage yard is?
0: I guess. It's crazy, right? So. That's, it's hard, anyhow. Well, I mean, think about it. The catalog that we use time the JBI. Uh-huh. But that thing's four inches thick. Yeah. That's just insane. Right. You know, and, and then we've actually not, we found some stuff that we can't find in, that makes no sense, but we haven't been able to find stuff even in that catalog. Correct. So it's. Right.
1: And you know, how many times have you heard me say, like, if it ain't in this catalog, you ain't getting it. You
0: ain't getting it. So. Right. Yeah. They're my last resort. Yeah. yeah. In recap, we, we. There you go. tried to pull back a little of the curtain on, on mountain biking and it started with what drives it. Was it rider driven or technology driven? Uh. I, I had my my thought on that. You had your thought on that. And then we talked about some of the innovations, be it the dropper post, although that's purely a luxury item. The one by drivetrain, the disc brakes, wheel size. We didn't really get into that. We'll just leave that up in the air for another topic. And, that's,
1: and you know, at, at the, uh, another topic or another time, we, we need to talk about maintenance because there is just pure negligence of riders, owners, bicycle owners. Yeah, of you know th- you gotta take care of your bikes
0: yeah and 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 I know there's the the you know we use the analogy, you just bought a Ferrari and you wouldn't drive the wheels off a Ferrari without taking care of it. And I don't know that even though people spend five, six, seven thousand dollars on a bike. They still don't want to treat it like a Ferrari. They want to treat it like a bike and think that it's not going to break. Yeah, well, because you just spent five, six thousand dollars. Why would it break? Yeah. Well, your bike's gonna break because you're riding it hard because the technology and the riders have advanced your bike That's to crazy, a point man. where it has to be maintained. Yeah. And I think we were both in agreement and conclusion that the biggest we feel improvement or technological advance that have, that has both benefited the bike industry and the rider, and maybe trail builders and the whole uh, circle of life in mountain biking, is the components of the suspension, the fork, and the shock, and then the bike manufacturers mm-hmm. developing all the pivots and how they're, com- how everything works around certain things. So, yeah. and and we. Glazed over it just a little bit, we talked about Fox and all these other companies that were in there, and they were just building things and putting them on bikes. But now engineers work with Rock shock, our Fox. Say, this is what we want to do. Correct. Can you get a shock that's going to do that yeah. or a fork that's going yeah. to do that? And then when all this is done, these are the type of brakes we're going to need. So the component engineers on the mountain bike side, the disc brakes, the, the shocks and the forks are working pretty closely with bike engineers. But you would almost
1: have to believe or assume that that's the way car, car, um, auto manufacturers are doing it too, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, everything's getting so compact under the hood. Yeah. I You know, I mean, certainly Ford you know, in his heyday, you know, was not thinking, okay, you know, uh, I'm going to have to collaborate with, uh, you know, the company across the street because I want to use his muffler, but he's, he's got to design it in a way that it's going to fit with my car, blah, blah. Oh
0: my God. It's crazy. So I think I think we've pulled back a Pandora's box of conversational topics that can just keep. I know we we, we set up sure. set up for five weeks, and uh, yeah. you know we we've got a couple of more that we want to cover, mm-hmm. and but I feel that a lot of these we can go back to or just keep building on each week. So this is just the appetizer, man. Yeah, this is just the beginning. So uh, always a pleasure sharing information and thoughts and knowledge with you. Next week uh, we're gonna. We're going to get into the evil empire, as it were, department <laughs> store bikes. And what is all that about? And literally, what is the difference between a $250 bike and a $750 bike that we sell and that you could buy someplace else? But we'll, we'll try to get into that next week and cover some more topics that we talked about today. But as always, it's a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Oh, I almost forgot. Yeah. There it is. Look right there. That's it. That's the weekend. You can see it from here. Get out. Enjoy. Have a good time, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Jonathan.
1: Bye-bye.